Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and I know that every time that I come on, we promise you a unique perspective on healthcare, okay? And sometimes what that means is that we have different people looking at things from different ways. Uh, Today's perspective, by my own definition, is going to be truly unique. My guest is Mike Fenster. He is known around the world as Chef Dr. Mike. He is an interventional cardiologist. He is a professor of culinary medicine located out in Montana. He is a member of the baby boomer generation. Uh, Chef Dr. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. I'm absolutely uh, delighted to be here and I'm all about these unique perspectives. So I'm really excited. You bet. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Sure. Um, my my role in healthcare actually went through the restaurant industry. So I uh, started as a dishwasher in college to uh, help pay for college, get through college, uh, and work my way up to what we call today an executive chef. Uh, as you mentioned, um, I'm on the other side of uh, um, the, the age bracket there. And uh, back then, there, was, there wasn't such a thing outside of Julia Child and maybe Graham Care from New Zealand in terms of this celebrity chef phenomenon. Certainly no food network outside of Julia's show. Um, so that was not a glamorous occupation, washing dishes and, and cooking in the kitchen. Uh, went off to medical school uh, and became an interventional cardiologist, but always kept that love of, of food um, and the food experience that was such an integral part of, of my childhood growing up and, and obviously part of a, a professional um, endeavor as well. I uh, actually did go back and get my culinary degree and you know, lo and behold, um, you know, they say the way to somebody's heart is through their stomach. And that's all, all about uh, my approach to culinary medicine. Okay, so it's so it, it's funny to hear you say that um, you're a cardiologist. And you, the idea of the way to the heart is through the stomach. Uh, what was it? Was it a gradual realization? Was it like an epiphany? What was it that you woke up one morning and said, you know what, what I have here is are not two separate worlds, but they're actually the same thing. How did that realization happen? You know, I think probably for like for a lot of folks, um, I had personal health challenge. Um, so uh, in my youth, um, I thought I was a great college athlete. In retrospect, I wasn't, which is probably why I broke all those bones and joints and tore ligaments, um, et cetera, trying to be uh, that which I was not. Um, And like many things in life, those bills come uh, due as you get a little bit older. And, uh, you know, I was presented uh, and and I grew up eating great food. My mom was a great home cook. You know, we went out. uh, I knew about sourcing as a professional chef. I know about sourcing real ingredients, um, et cetera. But I got away from that, right? Life gets crazy. Um, You know, I was an intern, a resident, and a busy interventional cardiology uh, fellow, and then, you know, in practice. 
And so, you know, I was practicing the convenience lifestyle of drug reps coming by, bringing, you know, whatever they picked up at the drive-thru for us, uh, having, you know, 18 cups of coffee and uh, two dozen Diet Cokes to get myself through the evening and then on call, um, you know, just not the best situation. And then it turns out I was confronted, you know, with a surgical option. And I was like, holy cow, you know, I am still too young to be able to do this. And the doc was like, you know, you should have had a, a, a surgery, you know, about five, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, you know, let's, uh, let's hold off on the joint replacements and let me see what I can do. And so I did have a surgery where they, they debrided and they kind of cleaned out the joint. And um, I sought a second opinion. They told me the same thing. And they actually told me I, I would need two joint replacements within the next couple of years. That was over 15 years ago. And the way I approached it was I was like, you know, I know this is an inflammatory process, uh, much like cardiovascular diseases, uh, much like diabetes turns out to be. Um, what can I do, me, to address that? And I got back to my roots. I was like, I can control what I eat, you know, and uh, really got back. And as a chef, I had the advantage of creating these really delicious foods from wholesome ingredients and then started looking for the data to support all that in the literature. And sure enough, it turns out now these these decade plus uh, years later that that's exactly what the science is showing us is that we've manipulated our foods in such a way that that's a major contributor to the chronic low-level inflammation that seems to be at the root of so many of the the current healthcare challenges. Understood. What does quality healthcare mean to you? Well, quality healthcare, you know, really means putting the patient um, at at the center of the equation. And, and, you know, to give you an example, um, you know, I gave a a keynote address uh, talking about culinary medicine at a medical center uh, not too long ago, this fall. And, you know, immediately all the healthcare professionals who were there and and a wide range of them started talking about, you know, what we can do and we're going to get this perspective. And then we can tell the patient this and we can tell the patient that and we can write this, you know, uh, food prescription uh, for the patient. And my question was, you know, I, I listened to it for a couple minutes. I was like, nobody talked to the patient. Right. So as as a uh, culinary person, one of the great joys of my life is food and eating the food that I love. And we know that makes us happy. And we know that that has health uh, outcomes. uh, Right. We know depression is a major risk factor, as important as any uh, cholesterol level in terms of cardiovascular events. We never tell people do things that make you happy. Right. Uh, It's take the cholesterol pill, take the diabetic pill, et cetera. And and so, uh, you know, in talking to the folks there at that meeting, I, I was like, well, what about the patient? What about the, their, you know, their, the people that they eat with? Um, you're going to prescribe all these things. You know, what if they hate seafood? Um, you know, what if somebody's allergic to tree nuts and, and they can't incorporate nuts because their spouse, their partner, et cetera. So, you know, I think quality health care, it, it comes down to, as you and I spoke earlier, some individual choices and, and so we have to incorporate that individual into the decision-making process and not simply be the, the parent, the patriarch, telling them what to do, right? Like they told me, you need to go get a surgery. Well, maybe I do, maybe I don't. It uh, turns out, you know, I don't. And I, I hike the mountains of Montana, you know, for eight hours. Um, I can't go jogging. I can't play basketball because of the high impact. 
but I can certainly do a lot of things they told me I wouldn't be able to do. Um, and so I think, I think that's one of our focuses on culinary medicine. It comes down to that individual's relationship with food and then a broader context of quality health care. We've got to start incorporating the individual. Okay. I love what you're saying there. You're preaching to the choir on that. And, um, and so you actually, you answered the next question. The next question is about giving an example of quality health care, which you have done. And I, let me just point out one other thing while we're here. I've got a, a very good friend who is a chef. And he would, I went out to different restaurants with him and his delight was, you know, to get, you know, to get the chef to do like a chef sampling platter or something in which the chef made their specialties and, and shared them. But every time he did that, the first question that the chef would ask is, does anybody in your group have food allergies? Or they went, they immediately took it back to this is this is about me and it's about what i what my specialties are but i need to make sure that it's about those that are enjoying it as well that i'm matching the food to them that's that to me sounds like exactly what you're talking about with uh, with the conversation with the doctor it's not a one-way street in which i now tell the patient it's a conversation in which here's the here's where we need to go Let's talk about how this fits into your lifestyle and into your um, into your world. D does that make sense with you? Oh, absolutely, and I agree hundred percent. Right? You know, well, we're talking about food. We're talking about something that parallels the history of humankind and the evolution of our species. You know, a great book uh, by the Harvard um, uh, professor Richard Wrangham called Catching Fire that was out a couple of years back. And he makes a very good argument that we're only a, really a species as we know it today that has come to dominate the planet um, because, you know, a couple hundred thousand years ago, somebody decided they were a chef and like cooked Mastodon burgers for the rest of us. And, and we all gathered around the fireplace and said, yeah, man, we are in on this. And you look at the how the history of food has shaped the, the development and the history of humankind and then I would say, you know, look at your own life. You know, our own food experiences are such a part of the events. You know, food and the food experience, it's not like, you know, telling somebody, hey, you need to exercise. Maybe somebody exercises, maybe they don't. Um, or, you know, drinking uh, wine or having a cigarette. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you can avoid it. Everybody's got to eat. That's the thing that binds us as human beings on this planet and why it's been such an important construct of the social fabric. So when we talk about dietary decisions, we're talking about you know, our own personal choices, the things that give us pleasure. It's, it's a, a relationship we have with food that is also intimately connected to our other relationships with each other. And by extension, actually our relationship with the planet. So um, you know, it's a really a foundational piece as we like to say in culinary medicine, from the moment we bond with our mothers over breast or bottle, that food relationship starts to define us. And so it is absolutely critical that this be something of enjoyment, um, be a point of happiness um, for us in you know, our daily existence, and then something that we use as a relationship to interact and share with each other. And, and the reason that that's important from a health perspective, because if we look at things like the Blue Zone studies, uh, where which is the National Geographic work of Dan Buettner, where they've gone around the globe and, and looked at uh, areas of 
um, the uh, populations where there's not only an excess of people, statistically speaking, over 100, but these people are functional, they're very healthy, they're vibrant, they've got cognitive function, et cetera. When we look at the results of the Harvard Happiness Study, uh, which has followed people now out over 80 years, and, and asked a very simple question, what correlates, when we look at all the variables, to health, longevity, happiness, et cetera, uh, is it money? Is it social status? Is it, you know, the, these sorts of things? Is it your cholesterol level, right? I'm an interventional cardiologist. The answer is it's none of that. It's the quality of the relationships in our lives. You know, as, as the uh, founder of the, the Harvard Happiness Study, which is actually two studies, the Grant and the Gluick studies, said, you know, it, it's basically about uh, love and happiness full stop. And so food is one of those focal points upon which we build those experiences. And so it, it is absolutely critical uh, that it be about the happiness of the individual. So there are two things that I'll just mention here that I've learned from the community here in Pittsburgh. Uh, one of them is one of the advocacy leaders here, uh, Sally Jo Snyder, has told me that if we don't eat, we don't meet. Uh, food is what brings people together. Uh, another, uh, Dr. Al Condolucci, who is all about social capital, had taught me that um, it's hard to have uh, to be angry with people with whom you have broken bread. So when you sit down and have a meal together, it actually builds relationships. Uh, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? Um, I, I wish that you know people would understand um, that, as you and I spoke earlier, there is no salvation and deprivation. Because as soon as the conversation starts to talk about me, how people have this view that it's it's about you know depriving themselves of, of things it's about not enjoying and it's actually the exact opposite so it, it's about creating that positivity um and and it is you know there are a lot of challenges you know one of the the simple things about our culinary medicine approach is that it's really based on a foundation that's that's evidence-based so the data is out there in the studies about moving away from ultra processed foods you know no at no time in the history of humankind have we been eating so much food in which we destroy the food and try to put it back together as happens in ultra processed food and, and we and the you know hundred trillion bacteria that constitute our gut microbiome have not evolved to eat those sorts of things so it's not it, it's not a, a leap of logic to assume that that might upset us a little bit and we, you know, get out of balance. Um, when we get out of balance, right, we're in a, in a position of dis-ease, hence disease, uh, that arises from all these things. Um, so the, the solution does require a little work, uh, but it's not complicated. And it does unfortunately, you know, um, affect some major players in terms of those who influence and want to control the dialogue uh, about you know our health and the food we eat. Okay, uh, what excites you about the future of healthcare? What really excites me is um, you know how delicious it can be, uh, and I mean that in 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 every sense of the word. So you know, part of my journey back was recapturing the joy I had in experiencing the real food and and reestablishing my connection to as a chef where my food comes from and so that's you know a connection not just from the farm 
which is, uh, I think, a little bit of its own, but to the very soil and to all those people who produce it, you know, for me. So, you know, um, again, I, I talk about, you know, the diet of things you want to eat. So there's a lot of plants, um, but it's not plant exclusive. So I'm down there visiting the guy who's raising, you know, my heritage, uh, what would be organically produced, you know, pork, uh, you know, once a year I go out there, you know, hello, pork chop, the year I'll see you in the fall, uh, you know, and, and, you know, honoring um, him and, and those things. And it's these connections, again, through the food we eat, as you just said, then sharing those experiences with each other. And this positive, um, you know, direction of creating good health and wellness that's not um, sort of what I experienced as an interventional cardiologist in the hospital, which was, you know, sort of depression and disease. So I've been doing interventional cardiology for a long, long time. And now, you know, I still do that, but I also teach culinary medicine at the University of Montana. And what I get excited about is the positivity and the joy at this point in my career that I can experience with people. Uh, certainly, you know, going in at 2 a.m. and, and working on someone and reversing what would be a fatal condition is very rewarding, but it's awful frustrating to see them, you know, miserable um, and handicapped, you know, by the things that they can do and the things that they can eat and the things that they can experience, you know, months later. And, and here, maybe I get to prevent that, you know, according to the American Heart Association, 80% of heart attacks are preventable. Mm. Yeah. A, a startling statistic. Yes. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? They can get online and take the Introduction to Culinary Medicine course from the University of Montana. We offer that online because, you know, in many phases of healthcare, um, you know, we talked about putting the patient at the center. It's, it's not that we're necessarily doing a whole lot of things differently, but we're changing our perspective on that reality and that opens up new doors and new possibilities and culinary medicine is about shifting our perspective uh you know on this food health relationship putting the individual back at it so you know i think that it in a way it's kind of contagious so the physicians um and the in a good way uh going viral but not in a covid way uh <laughs> you know it, it it's about um for the healthcare professionals, nurses, the PAs, the, the physicians who've taken the course, that this seems to influence their general approach to medicine and healing. Hmm. And we become less about a pill for every ill and, and more about all those modalities that we have um, that affect you know, our health and our wellness. You know, one of the things that we look at in culinary medicine that might we would be not be a traditional kind of nutricentric or nutrient focused approach is how we eat food, right? But if we look at the data set in terms of mindfulness, meaning you know how we sit down to a meal, uh, who we share it with, what we focus on, uh, and particularly the data from things called MBEs or mindfulness based eating awareness techniques, what we find is that that actually can measure measurably reduce our markers of inflammation. Wow. So you talk about how I, I feel and, and how I approach and how I enjoy and engage uh, whilst I eat actually can affect my immune system, 
in terms of inflammatory modulators. Wow, that's pretty powerful. And that's pretty powerful and empowering, uh, you know, for the patient as well. Okay, and what I'm hearing you say is it's not just what you eat, but it's how you eat it and whom you eat it with and all of those things, which is a, a very a very fitting way to end our our podcast today with that understanding that um, it's a holistic thing. You're looking at the individual as a whole. You're looking, it's not just the symptoms that you're treating with pills, but it is their entire lifestyle, their entire, uh, the entirety of what they're doing from what they eat to, as we just said, who they eat with, how they eat, all of those things. Wonderful. Listen, Chef Dr. Mike, thank you so much for being with me today. I promised I promised them that they would get a unique perspective on healthcare. You did not disappoint, and I appreciate you sharing your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit perspectivesonhealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.